you did a podcast this morning. Yeah. Oh, over Skype. I'm not your first podcast today? <laughs> You're not my sloppy second. Either. Oh, whoa. Inappropriate. <laughs> Jeez, Rhea. Okay. That was, that was a good sound check. <laughs> okay. One sec. Let's roll. Academy Lines podcast. This is Danny. I'm really stoked for my guest today. She's a good friend and uh, we met in a very unusual way during an ayahuasca session, which we're going to talk about. Uh, her name is Dr. Ria Mehta and she is a PhD toxicologist and also the founder of Global Smoothie Day. We get into a lot of topics here, including nutrition, ayahuasca, bowel movements, and other fun things like that. So stick around and enjoy Dr. Ria Mehta. So what was your, uh, what was the first podcast that you did today about. I don't want to. It was about um, bite anybody's style. It was. It's this guy Jay Wong from Toronto, and he's all about um, inner. His thing is like inner change maker. Okay. So he interviews people who are change makers, and uh, and so we talked about we talked about movements, like just movements in general. Right. Um, and, so like, and, and what it and yeah, general like like moving your body, bowel movements. No, no, no. <laughs> what are we talking but, about? Here? But but you know, it's, it's it's good that you asked for clarification because I'm all about bowel movements as well. Um, You're the I, shit. I, I like to call them smoothie movements, actually. Okay. Good good <laughs> foreshadowing. I, I have a list of things to talk to you about, and that's definitely one of them. But anyway, you were talking about. Um, so yeah, quick plug for that other podcast that you're going to be on. Yeah. Um, now I have to do. I'm very competitive, so I'm have to outdo that one. <laughs> so is Sorry, Jay, Jay. Jay Wong inner change maker? Okay. I really think. I really hope I got that right. Okay. Well, I, for Jay's sake, I hope so. Shout out <laughs> Jay, whoever you are. Um, so okay. So what what does it take to, you know, to move to be in a movement to create a movement? What does it take to create a movement? Yeah. It takes passion. Okay. Yeah. It takes. Um, it takes. It takes. It takes heart. Hmm. Because you know it's it requires a lot of hustling, as you know you've 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 created a movement. Um, yeah, I mean you're gonna you're gonna make me like shine out, but um, I guess so. Uh, but I agree with you. It's definitely um, I think you know passion is the fuel, and and it's like I think a lot of times it's like you know you're packing for space, and you're gonna have to pack enough for the journey because it's gonna be really long and, and probably very lonely and. And uh, you're going to need enough fuel and supplies to kind of get you through the, the dark times, right? Yeah. 
So I feel like passion and heart and just kind of wanting it bad enough that you still have fuel when everybody else has kind of, you know, lost theirs. That's what it really takes, right? Mm, so yeah. people always talk about passion and I think that's that's really ultimately what it comes down to. It's just, yeah. just a fuel source that you'll have to, to get you through the, the, tough times. the tough times, right? Yeah. And also I would say relationships. Like having, yeah. having, and they can be new relationships or, you know, old relationships, but actually like being able to nurture a conversation um, and be able to share your message in a powerful mm-hmm. way so that the person listening to you is like, okay, I want to help this person. Um, so you're a uh, PhD. I am. I'm not sure, but you might be the first PhD I've had on the show today. Yeah, see what I did there? <laughs> um, um, I don't know. We may I, I'd have to, you know harken back but I think yeah you might be the the first PhD all time so congratulations to our podcast for finally getting a PhD (laughs) Um, what's your PhD in it's in molecular toxicology nutritional biochemistry okay just made me feel dumb can you (laughs) elaborate what what was uh, you know so what's your uh, field of research interest all that stuff yeah so I studied the the toxic effects of the Western diet Mm -hmm. so I worked with rats and I researched the, um, the, the ability of certain constituents of the Western diet to, um, you know, result um, in disease or create um, more toxic endpoints, chronic disease. Um, I focused on sort of the diabetes, gastrointestinal metabolic syndrome model. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I looked at prevention. Mm-hmm. using nutrients, using uh, B vitamins, specifically B1 and B6. So I looked, so it was twofold. It was like, you know, can these toxic uh, toxins in the diet cause disease? And, um, and can we actually reverse, not just prevent, but reverse disease using mm-hmm. high dose nutrient therapy? Why did you get into it? What kind of sparked your, your own passion for this? It's funny. I honestly like, it was a big fluke. Okay. I, I like in retrospect, I'm like I maybe I was guided. Like yeah. I really, it was. It's so interesting because the exact protocol that I was giving to my rats, um, like say five, six years into my PhD, I'm actually giving to myself right now. Mm. So it was, I, it was actually really interesting looking back and thinking, oh my gosh, like this was my, you know, my protocol mm-hmm. to optimize my body and my mind. But what got me into it? I mean, I, I was an uber achiever. So yes, I was incredibly sick, and I can tell you about that later. But um, but I had this like incredible ambition about me, and I just wanted to I just wanted to keep you know going. And maybe actually now that I'm thinking about it, um, maybe it was because my physical body was so weak that I needed to look for another way for me to excel. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was through school. Mm. Um. I've, I've, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I've definitely talked about it in public at, at a different thing. But um, I ultimately believe that we come into this world and early on we find some kind of a problem or some kind of problem finds us. It's a very, um, it's a very deep problem. And it's the one that we're probably going to be working on for most of our lives. And almost every expression of our of our consciousness, our work, uh, the things that we gravitate towards is in some way a resolution for this problem. Like me, I was kind of like a fat, chubby, unhealthy kid <laughs> who didn't have much of a much of a family, and so now I'm sitting in a gym, which is uh, you know ultimately you know my way to force me to keep in shape and <laughs> eat well, and also surrounded by a community. And I think you know I'm I'm constantly searching to to, 
you know, fix this problem, which, which I inherited. And it sounds like to me that in a similar way, this is what, you know, your, your journey has been about is kind of fixing this basic problem. So you said you were, a, you were kind of sick. Mm-hmm. So what, what was that? Yeah. So at age 13, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. So autoimmune condition. It's crazy. Such a young age, right? Yeah. Um, and it was crazy. It was hard for the doctors to believe that I would like have this issue so much so that they kept kind of flipping back and forth and saying, well, maybe you don't have it. Maybe you have this instead. So there was a lot of confusion. And, um, and as a result, it was just super frustrating for my family. And, um, and then, you know, I was, I went, I basically followed the conventional medicine path. So went, you know, tried every pharmaceutical, um, known to be mm-hmm. able to support that kind of disease. And, and you're, you were 13. So that's all you really knew, or maybe your parents knew? Um, my parents knew. I mean, as far as, you know, pursuing exactly. a course of my, treatment. My family had no clue. Like we were just like, just so we, we had surrendered to the medical system. Uh-huh. And we didn't really know anything else. We didn't know about like diet, nutrition, lifestyle. So I'm like, I grew up in rural Ontario, which is, I grew up on packaged food. I grew up camping, living mm-hmm. off of basically like things that have a shelf life of, you know, two, three years. Um, very little cooked, very little fresh food. What's your, what's your family history? Like um, as far as um, like ethnicity? So my, f- so Indian. Right. And my mom's from India. My father's from uh, Uganda, East Africa. So, and, and I mean, when you think of, uh, you know, I don't know, natural foods or, or, or natural medicines, I mean, Vedic medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, I should say, um, was there any inclination in your family to maybe pursue those things? Like, there was, a, was it there, kind of just washed out of your, your family at that point? There was, a, a, to, to some extent, like my mom definitely, you know, tried to get me to take like gas pills that were natural that she got from some pundit in India. Okay. So there was definitely some influence, but... but the, you know the main the main sort of like driver of my poor health was my diet and that's something that we just like we didn't put two and two together mm-hmm. so you grew up like me I you know came from a family which actually when you know we moved I, you know I'm an, I was an immigrant immigrant kid excuse me and when we moved here my, my parents were trying to feed me you know things that ultimately I would love to eat right now but when I was a kid I was you know all about the McDonald's and Slurpees and and you know all that stuff and you know, ketchup chips were like, you know, a daily thing for me. Yeah. Um, so, and those are awesome. Yeah. I, totally. Yeah. To, Side I note, I just saw that they, uh, they just released chalet sauce chips. Oh, yeah. Dear. Amazing. Right. <laughs> I, just, I, I used to dip plain chips in ketchup. That oh, was, that's weird. That was, that was, it was so That's good. weird. You're a ketchup person, eh? I am. So do you, oh my God, do you put, do you put ketchup on, like, did you put ketchup on like mashed potatoes and. I put ketchup on everything. Now I put hot sauce on everything. Yeah, me too. Okay. That's the mature way to go. <laughs> when you've grown up, you put hot sauce on things. Um, but yeah, okay. and, and, my, and my diet was pri- primarily fiberless. Mm-hmm. So I was that like kid who farted all the time at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically that, that turned into like chronic constipation. So I was like, I, was, I wasn't going to So you weren't very popular. <laughs> well, that was behind the scenes. So... <laughs> So, oh, so you held it in until <laughs> I, I was I was the kid who was known to fart out loud on either the first day of school or the last day of school. It was the weirdest thing. Wow, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Well, control yourself now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm clean. We're not a very I'm, big space. I'm, a, I'm a squeaky clean. Okay. Now, now you're good. Yeah. You've cleaned it up. Um, okay. So you know, you're 13. You're 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 on all sorts of medications, I guess, and. Um, 
And at that point, you haven't changed your diet. You're just on meds. and what? Just on meds. And, and then what happened? So I basically, I mean, just on meds and I'm getting some physio, but, you know, living in rural Ontario, like, you're, you know, there's, there's only one option. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have it right, then you're basically screwed. Right. Um, so, you know, we tried going to spring, bringing me to sick kids, but then, of course, like, we're 10, that's 10 hours away. Mm. We just, it, everything just kind of fell apart because I was living so far um, in these isolated communities, which is why actually I have a lot of empathy for people in these like, you know, in these communities who have very little access to, um, to resources. So I basically stayed this way for, um, for a number of years all through high school. So I had to stop playing sports, which was like really crappy. Cause basically every time I would try and move, cause I was very active, um, move physically, I would end up in a back spasm, which would put me out for like weeks and I, I'd end up in a wheelchair. I'd be like, it, would, it was really traumatic. So I'd basically have um, a muscle spasm in my low back and you know, as a result, I couldn't do much. So I had to really kind of steer clear of sports. I didn't really listen that all that much. And so I would just like yeah. keep playing badminton and volleyball. And then I, of course I would just end up getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of like my lifestyle until undergrad and in undergrad um, things got much worse because I started to develop chronic constipation and you know and then my parents of course were like trying to figure out like they were they, they were just focusing me on me a little bit more because of course like they're paying my tuition and I'm like in school and they're just trying you know they, they want to get their money's worth yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um, so so it's 10 years later and you're still trying to figure it out and, and nobody can really help you yeah, so 10 years later, after, you know, lots of different, like, mild therapies, um, physical therapies, things like that, but still very heavily on the drugs. Did, did you ever have a hunch that it was essentially nutrition-related or there was some other, mean, some other, you know, path to health? No, you had no idea. There was no hunch all through, like, a, an undergrad in science, and then I get into a PhD program, and then, like, a year into my PhD, that's when everything crashed. I got the worst like back spasm that ever I'd mm. ever gotten. So that was just like, it was, it was, that was when I kind of hit like embarrassment. Um, it, it, in my life, I just felt so embarrassed. Um, I had to get surgery on my bum. So it was just like, it was like, really, I had to get surgery on my internal sphincter because I had yeah. damaged it so much. Um, and I just, I, I lost my ability to digest food properly. So I, I was, that, that was when I, I basically like, you know, hit rock bottom mm -hmm. and finally decided, okay, it's time to, like think about maybe pursuing another path when it comes to like my personal well-being. And what were you studying before you had that paradigm shift? I was studying, I mean, I was like, what did you want to do at that before the, I wanted to, I always, I was always in the medical field. Mm -hmm. I, and I think it's because growing up, I, I like, when you asked me that question, I, 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 I'm actually now thinking about it. I actually did, I really did want to have another path or option, but I just didn't know how to even articulate myself. Mm. So I think part of my impetus for like studying for so many years in the medical field was to be able to just validate some of these claims or, or dispute them mm. and, and challenge the medical system. Right. I mean, did you, did you have some kind of like feeling that I, I need, no one can figure this out for me, I need to figure it out? That was, that was when it happened. So that was like cool. 2005 and I was like, nobody's like, no one's going to help me. I'm, I'm so now it's time for me to just like forge my own path. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And so you pursued your PhD. Yeah. And essentially trying to figure out what um, causes toxicity. Yeah. Right. And, and how to, how to get past that. Yeah. So I'm like studying my PhD while I'm also self-experimenting now with myself. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I was, I was doing that in parallel. 
I was, you know, working on rats and then going home and like working in my body. And it was really cool because I had this like, you know, I was a scientist, so I was doing lots and lots of experiments with myself. I did like crazy 20, 30 day cleanses, uh, fasts. Um, you know, I went like raw vegan for a while. I, yeah, I me went. Too. <laughs> so I feel like we have very similar. Yeah. Uh, I just don't have a PhD, but <laughs> can you give me one? Because like, Maybe. but so, um, and and how did you like figure out that you needed to try this stuff? Like, was it did yeah. someone tell you? Did you have any 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 people kind of helping you out with these ideas, or it just kind of experimented with anything you could find? Honestly, I started to ask different questions, and I started to ask people for help. Like I got into the habit of just saying like I'm I'm kind of helpless. What like and and mm. and this is what I want. Like this is how I want to feel, and and that was it. And just kind of like waiting. And so mm -hmm. I, I I I wasn't like I planned to do that. It just sort of happened because I was in this like really tough situation. Were you so, always that way, or did the situation? No, the situation the situation definitely made you beg for help. Yeah, and so I went back to my gastroenterologist, and I was like, listen, I don't want drugs anymore. What else do you have for me? And he was like, I wrote this book. And he gave me this book, and he was like, he was like, pull it, you know, go to chapter whatever five or six, and it was it was all about gut health. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of my first introduction to like fiber and microbiome. I had never like after this is after like six years of you know undergrad, two years into PhD, I had never in my life like been introduced to the gut. Yeah. Um, and then I went to my rheumatologist, and I told her the same thing. I was like, listen, I'm like done. I'm done. <laughs> taking the drugs, what else do you have for me? And she was like, well, I can't really help you, but what I can say is that I've never had an athlete um, come in here before. And she's like, I've never had, like, I've never had, she basically, that was, so that was sort of her clue, which was that go and like get fit, really fit, mm -hmm. and you you might get better. So I had all, I started to get all these like little bits of wisdom. And, um, and my gastroenterologist told me to not only read his book, but also consider looking, he just said like, maybe you want to look at some, you know, some things in your diet. And he had suggested dairy. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, like interesting. And it was funny, it was just, I, I just needed to hear like little bits of this and then it just sort of like- It all started connecting for you. Yeah, I triggered like a cascade of like thoughts and ideas. And so I just like, I, I, I just got to work really mm -hmm. on myself. Yeah, um, it's funny because I, yesterday I was listening to a podcast on gut health and it's probably like the, I don't know, like, 20th podcast I've listened to on gut health recently and uh, it, it's just out there now like everyone's talking about kombucha and all this stuff and you know having a healthy gut but um, it's really recent that people have started to clue into this whole idea and how you know your brain essentially starts in your stomach and and uh, even you know things like depression essentially originate from um, you know poor gut health yeah and it, it's kind of cool so back then um, you were really kind of on the frontier of this idea I was and I was very alone it right. was it, the good news is I was you, you had know guts. Part of me, I, I did. I had like I had yeah. I had good guts. Um, I'm well, insert I had, a little <laughs> <laughs> um, drum sound. But I was actually like I was fermenting my own kombucha. I was uh, mm -hmm. making kefir. I was making my own sauerkraut, like all by myself. Um, and it was really lonely, and it was hard. You know, I was like sharing the stuff on Facebook when people were just like they had never heard of it before. Right. So you were just kind of like a freaky hippie making. Yeah, freaky making hippie doing her PhD. Yeah. So because I was doing my PhD, it actually added a lot of credibility to my freaky hippie ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of freaky hippiness, so we I met you for the first time uh, about a year and a half ago. That's right. And it was during uh, an ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty cool. That was that was that. Um, 
that was very cool. It's yeah. ayahuasca has been uh, a very important plant on my personal development journey. Um, and, and that's a, I think a big part of um, who you are is you know exploring. And and in the same way, I mean, you started essentially exploring health through a very institutionalized process. And then um, you know exploring what I would say is still health, yeah. just you know more. You know, more total health, in my opinion, through uh, you know through plant medicines like ayahuasca and, and things like that. For those people who don't really know what ayahuasca is, um, can you just explain exactly what it is <laughs> in about four sentences? We'll move on. No, but um, I mean ayahuasca is a um, a marriage of two plants, two sacred plants from uh, from Peru. Um, very much used in ancient Shipibo traditions to um, to help people connect with their you know with their spiritual self, their higher self, um, sort of enter this you know spirit realms and uh, essentially learn how to maybe shift behaviors or um, or you know shift the world or mm-hmm. or you know just change one's life in some way. So it's it's a sacred plant and um, and. These, you know, it's it's used in ceremony. So typically, there's a shaman who's who's leading these ceremonies, um, and you know, and and it's people people um, in these traditions used um, used it quite regularly, and so now it's obviously been introduced to the Western world, and mm-hmm. um, which is you know a good thing, and obviously not such a great thing because what's what's not so great about it? You think? Well, I think there's just you know it's it's a money making opportunity like everything sure. else. So there's a lot of people who you know, label themselves as shaman who are actually like yeah. not shamanistic at all. And, uh, and that becomes very dangerous because you're really like, you're, you know, you're drinking medicine and, and you're entering another realm. And if you, you know, if you're, if you're like visited by some of your, your own darkness and you don't know how to, you know, deescalate or work mm-hmm. through it, um, it could be really dangerous. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> I, um, you know, early on, like in high school, when I started experimenting with, um, you know, mushrooms and psychedelics and things like that, um, I was never really like into like party drugs. It was always more of a, um, just like a really intense meditation and downloading for me. Like I got a lot out of those experiences, but it was dark. It was hard. Like I had to learn how to uh, prepare myself and manage myself through those experiences. It's really, really tough. And I think that stuff has to be respected. And when I met you, so, you know, um, it was in kind of a ceremony and it was my first time doing ayahuasca. Um, and it was, uh, it was pretty interesting to go through that process. And what was really cool, cause I, I stepped into it, I, you know, essentially into a, uh, you know, a room filled with, I don't know how many people were there, about 30. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, who are these freaks going to be? Um, you know, I'm very open-minded, but you know, I'm just like wondering, is this going to be uh, freaky deaky? Uh, and you know, I've, I've, I've been around some freaky deaky people when I was living in Vancouver about 10 years ago. Um, you know, I rented, I rented a room in, in a, in a giant house, basically a mansion. And it was, you know, run by, you know, Osho hippies and, and they, um, cool. yeah. And they were weird though. <laughs> like they were, you know, doing all these weird tantric workshops and I was trying to like, you know, hit on my girlfriend and all this other stuff. So I was just like, all right, you know, you guys stay over here and I'll stay over here. But, um, so I'm very much aware of the, the freaky deaky side of things. I always definitely, um, I'm, you know, I'm open to everything, but I'm on guard as yeah. well. You know, you, yeah. you have to maintain that. And that's important. That you have to still have your rational yeah. mind and it's a, you know, you, yeah. it, a lot of people like live in the clouds. 
what was cool about meeting you and some of the others there is that everyone was really like pro. Like they were either uh, a PhD or a psychiatrist or a lawyer, like real, real professional people who had a lot of stuff going on, um, entrepreneurs, uh, people that I would relate to. And I was, I was pretty enthused about that. And, um, you know, just because I, I, I like the idea of taking those um, really powerful insights that you get from those experiences, but also putting them into action some way and yeah. in a very, um, you know, like real world, modern, um, even entrepreneurial way. Like mm -hmm. I, I think those experiences are very important for people to have to, to kind of get outside of your ego and learn something about yourself and other people and your relationship in, in this whole thing. Uh, this whole universe, and then ultimately use it in in the rest of your life. And I was like, really, you know, pretty um, pretty cool with it all. Yeah. You know, my experience was fucked up and super challenging. Um, I didn't expect like I've been through um, meditation and and psychedelics, but that was like a really intense experience. But um, one that I definitely don't regret, and I'm glad I had because it taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I agree with what you're saying. Like it, it, the, the teachings are great. And also I, in my experience, they're so like the messages are so strong that I, the way that I respond to the medicine is like, okay, like, thanks for pointing all that shit out to me. I'm going mm -hmm. to create, I'm going to change my life tomorrow. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> like, that's how, you know, committed I feel to making the change because uh -huh. I, because the, 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 like the messages get, are so loud and clear. So that's why I, you know, continue to go back um, and use the medicine every quarter or whatever, mm -hmm. um, because I just, it, it works for me. Yeah. To anyone who hasn't done it, I kind of describe it as like you're downloading emotional information, um, like, like it's fire wire, you know, fiber optic, whatever. And it's just like almost a lifetime of, of, of things that, um, you know, you would, it would take for you to learn and internalize, you do it very quickly and powerfully. Uh, like one, you know, one, ex one part of the experience that I'll, I'll always remember is the feeling of aging. And like I, during the session, uh, my last session, I rapidly like aged. I felt my body like literally deteriorating, like, um, like Indiana Jones, you know, uh, and what was that? I think it was the, the third one where, um, where one of those like old uh, dudes that he meets like ages before his his eyes and like you know a minute he goes from young to, to old yeah and so I felt and I felt my body deteriorating and, and it kind of gave me a lot of empathy for people who were going through that process and struggling with um, essentially having like their bodies um, you know not work anymore yeah and now I have this empathy for like my parents and mm -hmm. other people that I didn't have before That's like beautiful yeah like I got it theoretically. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, you're old and <laughs> your yeah. body sucks. Like, I get it. Um, but I didn't feel it. Like, it didn't, it wasn't part of me. Yeah. And so that was just one example. And there was like a, a million more that, that really, um, you know, impressed something on me. Well, one, so one thing that happened for me, I guess, one of the big lessons for me was um, a lesson in detachment. Mm -hmm. So I, like, there was a moment where I actually felt like I was dying. And I had to be coached through you know, overcoming it. And really the, the, the wisdom was basically like, just breathe and smile. And I, you know, I just took some deep breaths and smiled and I couldn't believe that I was like, I, I moved into this place of like happiness. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, it was like, it's like, we know that in theory, but I was able to go through it and I actually thought I was dying. Um, and I learned how to just like surrender to the moment and detach from chaos. And, you know, and the, and the result was just like 
peace again. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty. It was a pretty like impactful learning experience for me. Yeah, and did you struggle a lot to get to that to the point where you could let go? Uh, yeah, uh. I did. In, in that that one like that one experience, it was one ceremony, one evening. Um, I was like totally disruptive. I was, you know, I was like just because I was having so many like like realizations, like mm -hmm. a mass scale of realizations in like you know probably like a matter of minutes. Um, so I was pretty like I was I was pretty, and that, actually that's part of the reason why it's so nice to have people there holding space for you because I was totally disruptive. That, but of course there was someone there who was able to like hold me and coach me through it. And it to me it felt like you know a long time, but I think it was probably like. It's like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I've been there. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's it's definitely like a like a hyper intense training experience, right? And um, and and the thing that you know everyone says about these experiences is you can't hold on to anything. Like things are you're gonna see things, and if you try to fight them, you're kind of fucked. Um, you have to learn to let go. And ultimately, ayahuasca and I think a lot of other you know psilocybin mushrooms, all that stuff, they're ego destroyers. Yeah. As many times as we can, because we know it's, you know, it's 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 not easy mm -hmm. to disconnect from something we've been trained to to use over and over again in life. I was I was super nervous because um, you know you kind of almost need your ego when you're living in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 convenient to have one. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, people will remember you and understand you, and and uh, they'll be able to kind of put you in a category, which again can be useful. Right. Um, branding <laughs> right yeah. but um, and it, it's kind of scary after your ego has been essentially obliterated and having to think about coming back to uh, regular life and I was a little bit nervous about that but I was shocked at how um, cool it was like it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be like obviously there was a couple you know it was a couple of days right to like adjust to things yeah but it was um, it was it was way better than I thought so that's interesting so do you see because the way I look at branding is like you know, I mean, one could look at it as ego, mm -hmm. one could look at it as like a form of um, self-recognition and respect. I think it's both, right? It's how you use it. I, I think, um, you know, I don't want to get too into this, but it's dimensional, right? Like, it's there's a dimension where um, there is no ego and then it's like the, the, the other side of the coin, right? But the ego is, it's useful. Like, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's necessarily a bad thing. I just think you have to understand that it's not you and it's 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 a language to communicate to other people uh things that are very like you know uh, two-dimensional mm. in in a lot of ways you know what i mean it's, yeah. and, and that's fine because we're, we're still animals and animals need uh you know we we thrive on pattern recognition mm -hmm. if we didn't understand patterns then we wouldn't have survived so in a lot of ways our kind of primal being is really built on pattern recognition and understanding this person is going to behave in a certain way mm -hmm. and that's kind of you know, based on, um, you know, things that are a part of their identity or their behavior. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. But you have to know what that is all about because there's a downside to that. If you get too much, um, too much into that, then you're going to probably um, lose sight of what's actually going on, right? You'll only see one dimension of, of, of the thing and there's many more dimensions to that. Mm. So that's, that's kind of how I feel. But um, so... What's um, how do you kind of you know take this into your practice? Like as far as um, not only yourself, but you coach people. I do. 
And you know how how are you? Because you know you're you're a PhD who does ayahuasca and does a whole bunch of other things. Um, that's rare. That's not um, super typical. I wish it was more typical. Mm-hmm. But you know you're almost like this modern doctor. Like you know doctors 20 years ago, they they wore white coats and um, you know gave out pills. And um, you know you're a doctor who uh, you know does uh, psychedelics from from Peru and salsa dances and does a whole bunch of other things, right? So, you know, how do you how do you incorporate these things and how you help people? And I'm just gonna correct that it's soca dance. Oh shit. Sorry. Yeah. Do you salsa at all? Am I like half Well I do I, I okay. I've done tango. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's I'm half wrong. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Um so you know, my like what I learned through my journey of like healing my body is that it's not just about healing your body. It's very much about working with your mind as much as your body. And and uh, actually, when I was you know when I started to practice mindfulness, um, and and you know and just learn some of these like some of these lessons around like detachment and just like you know generosity and and um, being heart centered or just kind of like you know listening to my intuition, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to heal a lot quicker. So, you know, I learned all these, these, these strategies to take care of my body and, and, and you know, build, my, build these healthy habits, but a large part of my like, accelerated journey was actually um, like working with my mind. So as, you know, as a coach, um, and, some, and I guess the reason why I felt so called to coaching people is because I, because of these like, different skill sets that I, that I have, which is not just like helping people understand how to like eat better and mm-hmm. you know and build healthy habits. It's actually like helping them code their mind and and you know train themselves to to remember how awesome they are to celebrate their baby steps to you know to shift that negative talk into positive talk. Mm-hmm. So you know really just like infuse personal development into the experience, but not in like a hippie way, mm-hmm. you know, in a real way. Because a lot of these a lot of these um, like strategies are like they're inherently known to us it's just a matter of hearing them in a way that kind of like just makes sense to us well I like what you said about um, you know coding because to me that's kind of what it's about like um, it's it's almost like it's not as easy but it should be understood as coding like your your, your mind uh, your brain it, it does operate on codes and those codes can be changed it's not as easy sometimes as just typing in a different set of characters. It, it takes some other uh, effort, but it's really just a code, yeah. right? Yeah, completely. Um, and along those same lines, like you know, I firmly believe that we have the ability to bend our reality mm-hmm. and to you know change the course of our of our future. Yeah. So if that's possible, um, and and you know, part of like. The, the fact that I'm like open to these ideas, um, you know, just is is just very exciting. It means that like, really anything we can we can do anything we we set our minds and our mm-hmm. hearts to. We're sponsored by Canada Running Series. These guys organize great races in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. You can go to CanadaRunningSeries.com and register for an upcoming event. Use the discount code LIONS, that's L-I-O-N-S, at checkout and get 10% off of your race registration. Our crew, the Academy Lines Run Crew, is currently training for the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon happening October 16th. There's also going to be a 5K and half marathon option for that race. 
And if you've never run a major city race before, now is your chance. The experience is something that will last forever. Thousands and thousands of people line the streets with funny, inspiring signs to help motivate you and keep you entertained. And if you're in Toronto, come out and run with the Academy Lines Run Crew every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. for a 5K or 8K. It's completely free of charge, and we have pacers for every kind of runner from new to super fast. You can check out all those details at academyoflines.com slash runcrew. As far as mindfulness, you, know, you mentioned it. What does it mean to you? Mindfulness to me means just like presence like like just, Christmas presents <laughs> <That's> um, awesome. <laughs> well it's a form of I guess self-gifting yeah um, oh nice nice um, but really just like getting back to the, the now mm-hmm. and um, and you know it's it's hard and, and that, that requires like for a lot of people just you know quiet stillness mm-hmm. um, but for a lot of people they can you know they can like find that through running or, mm-hmm. or, or movement because they are able to just like stay out of their thoughts so it's really mindfulness to me is like you know is is presence and being like being being aware of the now um, but it's also being intentional mm-hmm. you know like like owning your words owning your actions um, owning your path in life so it's probably a mix of both um, presence and and just being you know very intentional with with your thoughts and mm-hmm. actions. So you talk a lot about um, starting points, um, or you've talked to me about it. Um, so what what does that mean? Like when you're working with someone, what's what's a starting point for you? Yeah. So you know, people have like I'm all about helping people not just optimize their health, but also just enter, like walk mm-hmm. through the door of health and stay there. Because, you know, we're focusing so much on like all these things that are downstream, but we're not focusing enough on on like helping people understand like where are they at right now? You know, like like just where are they at? Because mm-hmm. if you don't know where you're at, you have no idea how to like where to go. So I really, I'm very intentional about helping people understand how to define like their current state of health and life, their desires in the moment, um, how they want to feel in the moment, and um, and also what the like what what they're you know what what's coming up for them. Right. Um, so you know it's I'm, I'm it's I like I spend a lot of time on the kind of like defining your starting point through discovery, through goal setting, um, through just open sharing, like creating a, a, a safe space for someone to be like, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm, I don't know I, where to start. I don't know where to start. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm tired, I'm bloated. And, um, and, but I'm, I'm owning where yeah. I am in this moment. Yeah. It's funny. I kind of think about this, like in the course of, uh, business if I was to make a list of all the things I would have had to do from the moment I thought about opening a place like this till now you know eight years later uh, the list would be too long I'd just be like all right forget it it's not worth it but you know in the beginning you just focus on one thing and then that leads to the next thing and before you know it, you have momentum so I, th- I think you're right people kind of focus on the big goal and all the major steps they have to uh, they have to make but really um, I think they just got to get in that door 
Yeah, and you're right. And it's like, if especially if you know that, you know, the end goal is like a very big one and it's different from anything you've ever done. Mm. Um, if it's familiar, it may, it may be okay. Um, it's like you've run one, one marathon, you want to do like something yeah. else in the same world, it's okay. But like starting a business when you've never had one before or like getting healthy when you've been unhealthy your mm -hmm. whole life or you've had, even if you've had like a parent die, is hard. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to make it easy by like helping, like, because I think the main, the main thing is like if... If you if you own where you're at in this moment, and you're and you're committed to that like that like that you know your ownership of that of where you are in the moment, then it doesn't really matter, you know, if you fall 20, 30 times from there because you know yeah. you're like you're focused on that direction. And even if you stay like you know hovering around the door for, doorway for a while, you know you're you're gonna go in because yeah. you've like you've you're, you're, you have that commitment. Sure, I you have the passion. I have, uh, you know, I do this every morning. <laughs> you know, like my alarm goes off and I open my eyes and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to, you know, get up today. I don't want to do all the things I have to do. And then I just like think about, okay, well, I'm just going to take a shower. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, I'm just going to make it to the academy to get a coffee. And then before you know it, it's like, everything's fine, right? Yeah. Because my first five minutes are like horrible of every day. It's just like, my mind is just like, you know, garbage, just like negativity and just, uh, you know, just like sucks to get up. But it's like, once that first five minutes is gone, I'm like, all right, all yeah. right, fine. I'm, yeah. I'm moving. It's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So it's right. like the low, the low hanging fruit. Exactly. So I've trained myself just to say, it's like, all right, this first five minutes is going to suck. So just, you know, suck it up and get to, uh, you know, get past it. And, and, and now that's good. And I don't really have to hit the snooze anymore. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Actually, that's what, I, that's the strategy that I used with working out. I was like, yeah. okay, just do it for five minutes. Yeah. Just like, just put your shoes on and and just like go out for a five minute run. And of course that leads to like a 10 minute, 20 minute, 30 yeah. minute run. That, that, honestly, that's all it takes. Like make make a small deal with yourself and, yeah. and just kind of, you know, see what happens, right? Um, and like, you know, I like what you said, like, you know, be present, kind of give yourself a break. And because um, a lot of us just beat the shit out of ourselves every time we fail. And that's, I think that's what ultimately gets people. Yeah. Right, not, not being supported even just through your own attitude. Completely. Yeah, so actually that reminds me of something that I, I do with my clients and I do with myself actually, which is basically just come up with uh, a mantra. And mm -hmm. a mantra that like that speaks to me or that speaks to whomever. Um, because that way, like if... if like what do you say? So my mantra is, my mantra right now is, I am a heart-centered Jedi warrior goddess of truth. Okay. <laughs> Um, and it's to it totally works for me, and I've built upon it. Like I actually added Jedi last, yeah, uh, because I was meditating one time and Yoda showed up, and she just uh, like actually showed up. Yeah, there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Number one, very uh, very on point because Star Wars uh, is back and it's That's awesome, right? right? And uh, you kind of look like <laughs> you could have been. <laughs> Like you know, a, a supporting character in Thank Star you. Wars I for sure. A, yeah. A compliment. Um, uh, so hopefully, if you're listening to the podcast, go into the website and you'll see a picture, um, <laughs> Bria. But um, but also, if I was to be any religion, um, I would be a Jedi because they have lightsabers. That's right. And it's it's basically Buddhism, but just with like lightsabers, right? Kind of. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Did you like the new movie? I haven't seen it. What? Yeah. No way. The Force Awakens. Uh, I just saw it. And? Yeah, I thought it was fun. It was it's more of a comedy, like it's kind of goofy, but okay. it works. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect it to be goofy. It is. I mean, I guess the old one was kind of goofy too. Now that I kind of think about it, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the universe is actually ultimately really funny. I was talking. To, I was talking to someone um, a few weeks ago who's like, 
the smartest person I've ever met. Um, he's like met every U.S. president, and uh, he's like he's the dude who like wired up Bill Gates's house, and he's like super brilliant. He was talking to me about like synthetic biology and um, and all this other stuff, and we kind of got into into physics and multiverse theory and and all this other stuff, and and he actually has met Douglas Adams, you know, the guy who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Which, have you read that book? No. Or hit the series? Well, if anyone's listening and they've read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, then they know that, I mean, it's some of the best science fiction comedy writing ever. And the whole premise, I think, of his writing is that the universe is just funny. Like, at the end of the day, it's just a big comedy, right? There's just so many weird things that happen, and you kind of, if you look at it that way, you know, life can be really great. Yeah. And so it was, it, yeah, it was really, it was really funny just to like, um, anyway, to hear him, uh, he met Douglas Adams, and he was telling me that, like, yeah, he was just like a, like a really funny, like, chill guy. And I've heard this a lot from people who have met real, like, enlightened people, mm-hmm. you know, you call them masters or gurus or saints or whatever, they all have good senses of humor. Right. So they're just they're they're not taking themselves or life too seriously. Exactly. It's kind of like back to ayahuasca. Like if you take it really seriously, you're not going to make it. Yeah. Right. You got to just kind of chill yeah. and adjust. And um, so this is kind of what I like about what you're doing with uh, Global Smoothie Day. Speaking about small steps, right? Yeah. So yes. Um, so tell us about it. So October third is now Global Smoothie Day, and this is something you started. It is. Yeah. So this is year two. And, um, and so, you know, obviously on the same um, line as, you know, kind of like taking yourself lightly or taking life lightly, um, I really wanted to come up with like a playful way to get people to enter health. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, why not through smoothie solidarity? Um, but, you know, and, and, and really it's like, it's the, like the, the actual mission is twofold. It's, you know, one part to get people to like just enter this world of mm-hmm. health and, and make it fun and just a small step just like a small step and you know of course it's there's there's lots of like content and and um, actually like vi- like comical content we have infographics and interesting mm-hmm. interesting um, and fun language to get people to like you know just be a little bit more curious about health um, but of course the second part of that is awareness and you know the question I ask myself is like why like if diabetes and obesity is such a you know global epidemic that's you know both like um, well that's just incredibly incredibly um, visible you know it's like completely visible but also incredibly neglected um, you know what like why like why why are we not thinking about how to feed our children better or whatever it's, and it's because you know how can we think about what's happening on this planet um, in our in the Western world as well as developing countries if we don't even know how to take care of ourselves we you know we don't want to own our own our own health and well-being mm-hmm. so that's like that's sort of like the mission it's like one get people excited about it and then two while they're excited and they're into it be like here this is what's happening this right. is the truth right starts with a smoothie it starts with you know one smoothie at a time. Yeah, well, I mean, people are into smoothies, and what's what's interesting about this kind of neighborhood that we live in, uh, which is like a pretty like you know up and coming like modern hip neighborhood. Um, five years ago, maybe more, I used to see people you know walking down the street with cigarettes, and uh, at night you know like drinking their faces off, and. I see more and more people drinking smoothies and uh, you know doing things that kind of I think you know everyone's like everyone does things because they kind of want to be cool you know they just want to again back to the ego and it seems like 
some of the stuff is a lot cooler now. Yeah. Like it actually is cool to show people how much you do care about your body. Yeah, totally. And that's 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 really that's really interesting. I mean, from from a, you know like an industry perspective and yeah. just like wanting to do good things, I think that's cool. Yeah, I agree. And, but one of the things that comes with you know with something being on trend is of course there being like people being misled. Sure. And so another part of Global Smoothie Day is kind of educating people on like the green smoothie, kind of redefining the green smoothie as a uh, low glycemic, high nutrient mm-hmm. drink for people who are, you know, stressed, obese, fatigued, um, or even people who just want to like upgrade their productivity. Because right. there's a lot of smoothies that are basically pure sugar. They are, and a lot of people who still think that you know fruits are in, like a high consumption of fruits, high amount of fruits are just like good for you. Yeah. And you know what I'm trying to educate people on is like if you were to eat all of those fruits that you generally find in a smoothie, you wouldn't be able to do it in one sitting. You'd probably have like a banana and maybe half an orange would be full. Mm-hmm. But people are just jamming like like five different fruits plus fruit juice into a smoothie and that's like, you know, sugar wise that's the equivalent of like two or three Coca Colas. Sure. That's incredibly dangerous, especially if you're somebody who, you know, is already at risk mm-hmm. of some of these like um, like disease or even just of, you know, gaining weight, like insulin resistance. Right, like you know, like your doctor said, if you're not an athlete then this stuff's probably gonna catch up with you metabolically. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what the stats are, but how many people are actually like moving their bodies, you know, yep. every single day, um, 30, 40 minutes a day, what do you think? Oh, well, thanks to Pokemon, I think that's increased, but I think that's, <laughs> that's like. That's true. Yeah, I don't know, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm sure we can pull that up, but it doesn't, I mean, it seems to be getting better, but yeah. we're also, I mean, just anecdotally in a part of the world where I think people are very active and, and, yeah. and they're, they're conscious of it, but I think there's huge pockets of North America where, for example, where it is pretty sedentary. Um, so that's, you know, that has to change. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, but uh, I think, you know, starting with a smoothie is, is, a, is a pretty cool idea. And we're, we're actually going to, after this podcast, we're going to go and, and film an episode of Academy TV. So we're going to do the, the double right. double today. Yeah, we're going to make the, the, you know, the real green smoothie. You're going to make the real green smoothie. But uh, do you want to share uh, any ideas for people listening who may want to make their own smoothies? Like what's, what's like a good place to start, you know, if I've never made a smoothie or whatever. But, you know, how, how should I compose my, my yeah. smoothie? So, I mean... Like very basically, you know, stick to under twenty percent fruits. Um, ideally, low glycemic. So fruits. What do you like? Fruits like um, berries. Mm-hmm. I would say like mixed berries, green apple. As organic as possible. As organic as possible, of course. I mean, if that's not possible, you know, try for local. Um, and uh, and then eighty percent everything else. So that includes veggies. It includes superfoods. Things like healthy fats, chia, hemp pumpkin mm-hmm. seeds, you know, some of these guys, coconut oil maybe. a little bit of coconut yeah. oil, um, avocados included in there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, healthy fats play a very, like a huge role and also plant-based proteins. And you need fat with your veggies, right? It's, it's optimal for absorption. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, you could use flax oil, you could use hemp seeds, you can use avocado, you can use coconut oil, coconut butter. There's so many different types of fats. I would say stick with uh, like, like diversified greens and and not just greens and vegetables um, like not just greens sorry but vegetables include like red peppers tomatoes carrots so you know have fun with your mm-hmm. smoothie and think about the phytonutrition all these other like antioxidants that we you know we don't really get in our everyday life but you know right now obviously like living in the city we're exposed to like ridiculous amounts of toxins sure. so let's just you know the, the I think that's 
I think that would be like probably the the easiest, like twenty percent fruit, eighty percent everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as uh, powders, anything for athletes? Like, what do you think about protein powders and other things like that? Yeah. So you know. Protein is obviously essential if you're an athlete and you know you're you're being super mindful of your of your of your protein intake. Then you want to there's I would actually suggest like purchasing like an unsweetened protein powder. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's like different fermented proteins. I know that you know a lot of athletes tend to use like collagen as well. Yeah, so I started using that actually. Did you? Yeah. And uh, feels good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, n equals one, right? But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's on from I think. Nat, uh, who I do a uh, life hacking nutrition podcast with, uh, shout out Natalie Nidham. Um, so she hooked us up uh, with some, uh, I think it's, ooh, I forget the name of the brand. I'll, I'll mention it next time. But yeah, it's the first time really doing collagen and yeah. it feels, feels good so far, but I don't really have too yeah. much else to say. Yeah. And so I think for, you know, for athletes in particular, it's probably like really great. Um, but for any just for joint health and just, yeah, yeah. yeah um, there's a high mineral content as well, but I would say like you know even some of the even some of the vegan proteins are excellent, um, pea protein, hemp protein. Um, so you know I, I'm I'm a huge fan of powders. I actually brought a powder with me as well today to show you. Um, but you know at the end of the day, like if if that's kind of like out of your reach because some of these powders are a little bit expensive mm-hmm. I would just go with like nuts and seeds sure and pumpkin seeds are very high protein so mm-hmm. out of like all the nuts and seeds I would I would and also fewer people are allergic to pumpkin seeds so I kind of like I like to support um, yeah and Halloween's pumpkins. coming up so <laughs> perfect um, so yeah so uh, yeah we're gonna you know we're gonna do an episode of, of uh, Academy TV so you can sort of see what Rhea puts in her smoothie, um, and it's it's kind of cool because like you know a big part of what you do is to kind of inspire you know people through just being kind of creative and playful with their food and and, and I mean it all kind of just connects like it's not just like okay this is what I do for health and this is what I do for you know this other thing it all kind of just combines itself. Um, you also, uh, you know, you do a lot of things, uh, and one of those other things is uh, is camp reset, which uh, you know I definitely wanted uh, a few minutes here to talk about what what are you doing with camp reset? It's a it's a it's a retreat, but it's much much more. Yeah, so camp reset is another, I guess you know, community movement, um, but camp is is um, an experience to. Um, using play, using play as the sort of like channel to uh, deeper connections with self and um, others, as well as even the potential for transformation within your life. So it's it really is just like a summer camp for adults. Sure. It's you know it's three days. Um, we we give people permission to um, to ditch their technology to uh, so wait wait because yeah. you told me about this yeah. so I know I, I kind of know what you do yeah uh, so people show up. And then you have a big plastic bag. <laughs> yeah, they show up. Then do you want me to do you want me to talk yeah, about this, or yeah, yeah. is it going to scare people away? But no, I think this no. is cool. Yeah, do it. I think it's very cool. But anyway, go on. They, so there's yeah, a big plastic bag, you, and you get a plastic bag. You you place your cell phone in the pla- you take your final selfie. <laughs> you place your yeah. cell phone in a plastic bag, and then you, uh, you push the reset button, and you've like essentially given yourself permission. So to, there's a big button. There's an actual button. Kind of like that easy button from Staples, but. You know what I mean? But uh, cool. But yeah, cooler. Cool, okay. Cool version. It's, a nature, it's a nature version. Yeah. Nature version. Cool. Um, okay. And and that's your signal to start resetting. Yeah, that's okay. your signal to to just like unplug. To you know they I, I think they say like disconnect to reconnect. 
Right. Um, I'm probably taking that from someone, and I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to. Thing for that, but we'll have to cite a source later on, right? (laughs) But um, and then you also, you know, a couple of the other um, principles of camp. I mean, you know, no work talk. Um, So wow, that would be tough for me. Yeah, and you know, I I mean, it's it's what you talk about. (laughs) You got to come to camp. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's like, but that's, that's, the, that's the big question. What do you talk about when you don't talk about work? You talk about life. You talk about, like, you know, truths. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about just, like, shit you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, shit you, like, support with. Yeah. Um, and uh, we also get people to, to create their own names. So, it's if, you know, you're no longer Danny, I'm no longer Ria, we're, like, I'm So I'm I have Anna. to create my own name? You or do. Or someone so, give it to me? So, no. Um, you could ask someone for it, but you really, like, we need it before camp starts. Um, oh really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I'm Meta. Okay. Um, Meta is actually um, loving kindness, mm-hmm. and um, and that's my name. Everyone like no, actually. So to now to kind of tie it into the community aspect, like camp people who went to camp who named themselves these new names were so connected to the community that they came home and they actually changed their Facebook name. So it now has their nickname in brackets. Wow! So that's just to show you the impact of camp. Yeah, you were telling life. me you were telling me a few days ago that a lot of people came back from this experience and they like they were seriously changed. Yeah. Like they made a lot of pretty bold moves in their life right after. Yeah, I mean we have had some people who have you know given their two weeks notice. Um, last year we had a couple people who um, ended relationships, um, ended a marriage. So you know. These How are do you feel about that though? Um, when, when, I mean, when you we, first heard that someone like essentially, you know, <laughs> got it. I mean, you know, it was well, probably a good move, but yeah, I mean, that's I think pretty heavy. It is. It, it is heavy, and I think that you know, real life is heavy. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're just creating a platform for, for for people to be themselves, and we're not like educating anyone or telling people like what to do with their lives. We're actually like we're not doing that at all. Um, but it's interesting what happens when you you know remove the tech, remove the work talk. And we're kind of just watching it ourselves. And we've also, as co-founders, we've also watched these um, transitions happen in our own lives. Like, like I feel like I've lived 10 lives since camp. And camp, you know, our last camp ended July 20, 24th. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's September. So I've also gone through my own kind of transitions. I think it's just when you get that number of people together, 100 people together, um, who are, you know, incredible humans to begin with. Like, they're so incredible. They're community right. builders. They all have something very powerful about themselves, but they've kind of, like, dimmed that light. And then all of a sudden, you give them permission to, like, you know, shine. It's just so inspiring to be an observer and also a participant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so these go on every year. Yeah, right? so this year we had two summer, so two camps um, back-to-back. Last year we had one. It's like Coachella. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, we and we don't know we don't know what's happening next. I mean, right. I mean, the idea is you know keep doing this every summer. Um, is there a potential for a greater vision? Um, uh, you know, a, a thousand person event. Who knows? I've been getting lots of people saying like, can you bring it to Costa Rica and Panama and California? And there's clearly there's a need yeah. for this, and so that's exciting. And um, you know, the idea is um, hopefully it'll happen next year. And if if it does, I'd love um, I'd love for you to. For you to come. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what my nickname would be. That might stop me from. Maybe maybe just start with like Oaks. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll start. With I want that. someone to give me. I, I think you like. I don't know. I'm just like you can't make your own nickname. Someone's got to give it to you. That's true. Okay. Well, right? maybe, maybe. Have you seen that Seinfeld episode where Costanza tries to give himself his own nickname and oh, it just doesn't I don't work? Think so. Yeah, I think I don't know. That's 
I, well, have to be, I have to be more open-minded. We've also had people who have graduated to okay. new nicknames. So like they came oh, really? in with year, year one and then they may have, so Jean, my husband actually, mm. he was um, Jihad year one. Yeah, that's, yeah, that might need, so this year what, he's ISIS? Like what's the, <laughs> uh, no, just bad choices. This year he's uh, he's Bobcat. He's, okay, the, the way, cat is his, uh, spirit animal, way so. more politically yes. correct. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So I mean, it sounds like this is definitely like becoming a bit of a movement. It's back to full circle, not a bowel movement, but an actual movement. <laughs> and we were talking about that, and it's one of the things I think, um, you know, you've got a lot of thoughts on about how to make, you know, create a movement, how to sustain it, how to make it grow. Yeah. So what do you think like really worked about Camp Reset and even Global Smoothie Day? Like why, why, why are these things working? Why are people connected to these ideas? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, we talked a little bit about um, having the passion. So I think like having like the passion and, you know, not really like, intellectual passion but heart-based passion so you because you know like you said it's gonna you're gonna hit the dark times and and what's gonna keep you going is this like deep connection mm-hmm. to the mission um, I would say also relationships so you know like having awesome friends or even just like a family member but people who are willing to hear you and who already believe in you um, as, as a way to kind of like share your message and then it's like okay I got two people on board now let me get like two more and so getting in the habit of sharing your mission um, but to people to, as, as a starting place who already kind of believe in you. Yeah. It's really powerful. And, and that, that ties to your self-confidence, right? It's like, oh, okay, like now three people are hearing me. Okay, let me try like 10 more. And so I think having relationships and nurturing them and learning how to ask for help is huge. Um, and then being consistent. Like, you know, whether, it, and, and with, you know, with online movements, for example, it's like, like posting regularly. Mm-hmm. You know how it is, right? Yeah. Like being consistent with whatever it is you you're you're sharing. But I think um, clarity is really important. Like being really clear on what your message is. And I think with even with Global Smoothie Day, like with Camp Reset, there's eight of us co-founders. There's you know we we there's a lot more support, and we're holding space for each other. With Global Smoothie Day, I you know I was started up by myself. So um, so it. It was really like I basically just learned on the job, like we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've like you know I went from like ten hashtags to like two hashtags, and and yep. you know I'm just I'm just a lot more clear now in terms of what I'm asking. So when I go to my friends, I'm saying here like can you share this message? They're just like they know right away what to do and how to share it. And I'm giving them I'm making it like super easy for them and giving them copy and templates and saying like here mm-hmm. this is how you this is how you do it. So being like really really clear. Um, and and having like a really simple but impactful message. Mm-hmm. Simple, consistent, and I guess there's the accountability through community. That's what really kind of makes it work, right? Yeah. Cross movement is very similar to that. I think that, that was one of the main things that really made it uh, the, what it is today. Is that there was a built-in accountability structure, right? You know, when you don't show up, people notice, and yeah. when you don't perform, people will you know will hold you accountable. Whether it's your coaches or the community, and I think. Uh, any great movement is seems to always have those those elements to it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's 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 a great point. Um, and you know, and I don't think we have we have enough accountability. Um, so it's it's like I think the CrossFit movement really you know was able to show that quite strongly that like when you have account accountability in place, like you can progress much mm-hmm. more quickly uh, in life. In yeah. your, you know, in your um, and. and just like fulfill your goals um, at a much faster pace. It definitely works. Yeah. Um, what's um, what's with the soca dancing? Yeah. So, <laughs> so soca is uh, is 
is a, a, a form of Caribbean uh, mm. Caribbean dance. So it's, it's how did you how did you get into that? So um, when I was an undergrad, I didn't really have much of an identity because. I told you I grew up in rural Ontario, so I grew up in this like French Canadian community with you know father who was a refugee from East Africa, yeah. um, mother from India, like very much new to this like small town. Um, and when I got to undergrad, I I, I kind of wanted to hang out with a certain crew, but they just they couldn't see me, and so I was like, okay, well let's see who else can see me, and the Caribbean community saw me. And they totally welcomed me in, so I became a part of the Association for Caribbean Students. And um, and my my like my BFF of under um, during undergrad um, was a Trini, so she's from Trinidad. Mm. And so I just like I just connected with that community. It was like it was all about. Did you get like mistaken for Trini? I did. Yeah. And I still do. Sure. Yeah. Totally. Um, and obviously, so much more now that I'm like teaching a yeah. Caribbean dance. Um, but after undergrad, I actually can you make went, can you make roti? Like, what's your roti situation like? I can't make roti. Okay, that's like my favorite food. Like, if I need to go off off keto paleo, yeah. that's like. It's funny. I I love first I, thing. I love roti as well. I, actually, my favorite uh, Caribbean food is actually doubles. You heard yeah. of doubles? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. My my buddy, um, shout out Ian Herneran. He actually made a movie uh, that was at TIFF. I think it won something uh, called Doubles with Sly Pepper. Really? Yeah, it's a little short film. Yeah, so I learned all about doubles through that. But have you had one? Yeah, okay. I have. Okay. Not in a while though, because damn, damn paleo. We'll have to go to like doses. the. Well, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I hear you. Um, but I'm will, I'm willing to, to bend it if it's like a, a weekend. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm I'm into that as well because I I haven't had one since leaving Trinidad. But I basically went to Trinidad and mm -hmm. and. Um, after undergrad, and, went, and I was supposed to go for a week, and I extended my ticket for four more weeks. So I was there for five weeks, and I was like going to the gym, and it was the first time in my life actually where I was like, oh, my back doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was working out, but the workouts were like all, you know, based, basically like based on dancing and sure. dancing to this kind of music, the soca music. So I started to. Like I was basically a closet dancer um, from you know 2005, and the 2005 was really my pivotal year. It was the year I like decided to you know sh shift my health course as well. So um, since 2005, I've basically been like a closet soca dancer. And finally, last year, I just had this epiphany and realized like, oh my gosh, it's it's time for me to like share this share this passion mm -hmm. um, and and I realized there's a lot of fear associated with that and I think it's also just the shaming associated with like moving your body in that way the primary ingredient of, of soca is like basically just moving your bum yeah it's hips and ass um, yeah uh, booty shaking really yeah. and um, and so I you know because I am an uber achiever I decided to go and become like a facilitator and yeah. <laughs> and and just to just to give myself permission to teach the class and and or to teach the dance or to dance and what it's turned into is like a bunch of the Camp Reset community dancing with me and telling me that, you know, that has like opened them up in all these different ways and like really helped them channel their sexual energy. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in, in, in TCM and some of these other kind of Eastern traditions, they say that we store so much emotion and and also just in our like, hips, right? yeah, it's just around security and, and fear in our hips. And so, um, so like, while pursuing this new passion, I'm also, I think, helping people just like open up and release some of their, you know, their own pain. Yeah, yeah. it's true. I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of pathways to the mind and ultimately mindfulness are through the body. Like just to honestly, like relax and loose, loosen up. And oh, it looks like. Hold on, we got some guests here. Yeah. 
Thanks, Brian. So, <laughs> back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know, I think just movement in general is um, like I, you know, I don't. I think like you, I don't see um, things as distinctly different. Yeah. There, you know what I mean? It's it's almost like the uh, the you know spectrum of light. There's you know everything's contained within that. That uh, you know that one white light, and it's all in there. Um, it's just kind of different different aspects to this one thing, and so movement and medicine and food and smoothies and ayahuasca, like it's all it's all kind of part of just figuring out how we we integrate ourselves, and and how to kind of best tune this instrument to be able to receive what uh, you know. I guess the the universe is offering. That's the most hippie thing I've said this whole episode. That was beautiful. That was all right, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'll, I'll write that down, maybe embroider it on a, on a pillow or something, but, <laughs> um, but no, but, um, but it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Like I see all these things, uh, especially now people are, are like this conversation. I would have been almost nervous to have like 10 years ago. Like yeah. I've had these like freaky, de- freaky, deaky, uh, hippie thoughts since, since high school. And it's kind of fun that there's a lot of people around, um, who aren't just total burnouts that are talking this way. You know what I mean? And they're, they're actually doing something with yeah, the information. Yeah, they're getting shit done. They're getting shit done. And, you know, I never, you know, I never wanted to, to feel like I was just kind of, um, you know, uh, intellectually navel-gazing or just doing things like, you know, you go to like, you know, like a dead show and see all these people just kind of doing nothing with their lives. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's cool. But at the same time, you know, I think, you know, we have, we got a job to do in a lot of ways. And I think the job is, especially in, in this part of the world where we, don't have to worry about anything really. We don't have to worry about crime or where our next meal is going to come from. Uh, I get to choose if I want my berries to be organic or not organic. I'm going to walk into any store and figure that out. Um, I think we got to do something with it, and it's it's fun to be in in these communities and movements of people, whether it's CrossFit or Camp Reset and other things, where there are people interested in accomplishing something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I completely. I mean, I I completely agree with that. It's uh, it's it's. It's important work, and it's um, and I would say it's like our service. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been gifted with this incredible, you know, privilege uh, to live here at this time. And I think, like, for those of us who can understand that, um, I think it's like it's a service for us to take all of our learnings um, and and just kind of like do what we, what we can to step out of our own way and just get shit done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. See back to bowel movements, getting shit done. It's true. Boom. It's true. <laughs> Full circle. Um, let's uh, let's make some smoothies. Okay, let's do it. Okay, boom. All right. So, thanks a lot for being here, Ria. Thank you. This has been uh, it's been fun jamming with you in this way. Yeah, totally. Um, I didn't think it was a jam, but I guess it was, right? Yeah. Okay. Back to another food reference. Um, but uh, no, totally fun. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna definitely want to have you back here, talk about other cool shit. Maybe we'll do it on ayahuasca. That'll be really funny. I'm I'm into it. Really? I'll, that would, I'll, I'll, I'll bring my mala necklaces and. Uh, I'm already wearing one. Uh, but uh, oh, you are. Yeah, I am totally. This is this is legit. This is OG. I've been wearing one since I was like I don't know 16 when I first. Okay step into a Tibetan Buddhist thing. Okay, okay. So that's, right. anyway, I just want to establish, see my ego. My ego is establishing <laughs> my, my, my Buddhist cred. Thank you, ego. You can go away now. Yeah, see, see it, ego. Anyway, um, I didn't mean to say all that. But uh, no, but seriously, gotta, gotta have you on more and uh, talk about other cool stuff and maybe on ayahuasca. Who knows? Cool. So uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye.